Today on Clear Approach, we talk about a supplement that you should avoid. We do part two of how you can make your next aviation medical examination go smoothly. And finally, I talk about my recent adventures in hot starts and stops. All this and more coming up on the Mayo Clinic Clear Approach podcast, your home for aerospace medicine that matters. Well, happy fall, everyone, and welcome back. This is Dr. Van, your medical co-pilot, coming to you from the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. It's been a few weeks since my last podcast, and I apologize for that. Things have been very busy for me lately. Over the past month and a half, I've been out and about talking about long-haul COVID. Like annual inspections, this is a topic that just won't go away for me. And to quote the man, the myth, the Mr. Cash, I've been everywhere, man, over the past month. And despite the fact that I can give a PowerPoint presentation now in my sleep, the last month hasn't been all bad. For my last destination, I was back in my adult home state of Montana, specifically West Yellowstone. And as I think I may have mentioned before on this podcast, I am an avid fly fisherman, I pretty much just like to do anything involving the word flying, whether it be flying a plane, fly fishing, or flying from the authorities. So I certainly didn't miss any opportunities to fish on the Madison River there right in Yellowstone. And let's just say that my luggage smelled a whole lot better on the way there than on the way back. Now, despite all the travel, though, I actually haven't been flying personally much myself lately. I did fly commercially, and this is actually the first time I think I've flown commercially since the pandemic started, and it was a a usual experience, but educational as well. After spending a good 45 minutes baking on the tarmac in a commercial jet that had a malfunctioning air conditioner, I have much more appreciation for private pilot training and all the money that I invested into that. In fact, I used all the receipts from my flight instructor to wipe the sweat off my forehead as I dreamed about being back in the Cirrus. But I had been able to get out in the air just a little bit. I flew out to Madison, Wisconsin recently, and if anyone out there is kind of wondering why in the world would anyone fly to Wisconsin, trust me, it's quite a beautiful town. It's a pretty active university town, so lots of things to go to like museums and good restaurants. My wife got to come along with me for this one and uh, just spent the day kind of getting some good eats and hitting out the local museums, including one of the local gardens, which was outstanding. Now, in addition to finally doing some traveling after the pandemic, this trip was also educational for me because it was one of the first times I've had to deal with the hazardous attitudes that can affect pilots. Now, just to review, the hazardous attitudes are ways of thinking that often get pilots in trouble and sometimes even killed. And there are five different attitudes that are specifically named as hazardous. They are macho, impulsivity, resignation, invulnerability, and anti-authority. And I'm not going to go into those in more detail right now. I think we've discussed those in the past, and they're definitely something that you can look up on the internet easily. After we were finished up with our daily activities, we headed back to the FBO and I got the plane all ready to go and my wife and I climbed on board. I turned the Cirrus on and brought up the electronic checklist and proceeded to try to start the airplane. 
And of course, lo and behold, on my first go, the engine just wouldn't turn over. So I stopped, restarted the process, and again, the engine wouldn't turn over. And I should note, it was about 85 degrees outside at this point of the day. So as you can imagine, it wasn't too long before I had basically turned into a hot, flustered, sweaty mess. So there I was in front of my wife, obviously flustered, thinking we're going to get stuck here in Madison, and I just broke someone's airplane. And wouldn't you know it, right at that moment, someone decided to knock on the window of the airplane and ask if I needed any help. Now, if you're human like me, you could imagine what by first gut visceral instinct was. Something I'm not going to repeat on the air. But I would definitely say the emotions that I felt, they evolved the attitude of macho, perhaps even anti-authority. And it took a surprising amount of mental flexing for me to be able to control those impulses. But fortunately, I was able to do so. I didn't make the situation worse by just blowing up. As it turns out, the person that wanted to help me was a serious instructor pilot. And he graciously offered to educate me on the nuances of hot starts, something I had not done as part of my serious training. For the uninformed, when an airplane is sitting out on the tarmac all day long in the heat, the starting procedure can be a little bit different than starting the plane the first time in the morning. Basically, you got a lot of fuel in lines that's getting hot. There can be vapor that builds up and such. And I wasn't aware of this. And after a little demonstration and instruction, we got the plane started back up. And my wife and I were finally able to head back home. Yes, with a bruised ego, but fortunately with a safely functioning airplane. Alright, for today's show, I want to introduce a new segment that I'm going to call the medication moment. There are a lot of different products out there that pilots can buy that may seem safe, but really not be. So I thought, why not spend a few moments every show to kind of review some of the things that are commonly out there so you can avoid any pitfalls. And for today's first medication moment, I want to talk about a supplement actually called Kava Kava. That's spelled K-A-V-A, and sometimes it's just referred to as Kava. So what is Kava? First of all, it is not a form of coffee. Kava is an herbal remedy that comes from the plant Piper Methysticum, which has no relation to the aircraft company. Specifically, kava comes from the roots of the plant, which is often ground up into a powder. Within kava, there's something called kava pyrones, and they work much like alcohol works on your brain. They make you feel calm, relaxed, sometimes happy, and sometimes make you do things preceded by the phrase, here, hold my beer. Interestingly, the plant name, Piper Methysticum, if you translate it, actually means intoxicating pepper, which seemingly makes a whole lot of sense. Now, kava has been around for a long time and has been used by populations in the Pacific Islands for a wide variety of medical conditions like trouble sleeping, menopausal symptoms, and anxiety. And it remains to be determined if this supplement really does help with those things. But what we definitely know is that this supplement can be dangerous. Specifically, it can cause some pretty bad problems for your liver. Anything from simple liver irritation all the way up to liver failure. And these side effects can occur just after a few doses or if someone's been using the supplement for years. 
And because of these dangers, kava is actually listed by the FAA as specifically one of those medications that deserves extra caution. Per the FAA, you can't fly while using kava for obvious reasons. In addition, there is also a minimum waiting period before you can fly after using the supplement. Now, the usual waiting time guidelines apply. So for review, it's either going to be five times the pharmaceutical half-life or five times the dosing interval. So for example, if you take a medication every six hours, then you have to wait five times six, 30 hours before you can fly again. In the case of kava, with it being a supplement that's not FDA regulated, it's going to be pretty difficult to know what the half-life is of the supplement that you're using. So I recommend going with the five times the dosing interval strategy. The takeaway for this supplement is that it may help with some of these symptoms, but it's fairly dangerous. And if you're suffering from these kinds of symptoms, you know, trouble sleeping or anxiety or postmenopausal symptoms, there are a lot of treatments out there that are available to you that are going to be better studied and less dangerous. So just remember for pilots, kava kava is a nada nada. Okay, for today's medical topic, I wanted to continue a previous topic that we did, and that is how you can make your next aviation medical examination go smoothly. And I had previously done a list and gone through a couple of things that you should and should not do as a pilot when it comes to your exam. But I thought it would also be helpful to hear from the people that truly are the front line of aerospace medicine, and that would be our aerospace medicine nurses. They are often the first people who get to interact with pilots who want to get an evaluation here at Mayo Clinic. So I asked one of my nurses, whose name is Jordan, to come on the show to share with us what her thoughts are about what pilots should or should not do to avoid graveyards spiraling away their medical certificate chances. So with that, welcome to the show, Jordan. Hello. Thank you. So just for our viewers, Jordan and I have been working together in the aerospace medicine division here at Mayo Clinic for a couple of years now, and she has lots of experience seeing pilots from all walks of life with all sorts of medical conditions. And based on that experience, Jordan kindly put together a list of things that pilots first should do, and then a list that pilots shouldn't do for their aviation medical exam. So Jordan, with that, what's the first thing that pilots should do? One of the first things we ask pilots to just be prepared for the call in our intake calls. We're reviewing your medical history, medications, surgical history, past flight physicals, FAA letters. So we want you to be mentally prepared for the information we're going to ask because we might go into the past a bit more than you might be immediately prepared for. So being mentally prepared for it will help, and it'll help you recall the information more readily mm-hmm. so we can best serve you. Great start. A lot of folks are, are surprised about this first intake interview, uh, maybe even some uh, somewhat taken aback by it. But uh, this is something we do for, for all pilots who come here, right? Yes. Everybody who's coming to Mayo Clinic for the first time goes through this process. If you don't have a lot going on in your history, then it'll be easy preparing for it. If you have a few more things going on, that's perfectly fine. We just 
do your best to be mentally prepared to answer questions about your your medical history. Great advice. I'll just add that pretty much across the board, pilots have told me that they are often surprised about how in-depth our intake interviews are. And this really does make sense, so it's no fault of the pilot. Most pilots out there, fortunately, don't really have any medical conditions. And so reviewing the medical history, that sometimes takes five minutes. And we do have some pilots like that that we see here at Mayo. But the majority of folks, they are coming to a place like this because something has gone wrong, like a heart attack or a new diagnosis of cancer. And so in order to truly understand everything that has happened, put together an appropriate evaluation plan and to represent the pilot properly to the FAA, we have to go back a ways, sometimes even decades. And just to FYI, DUIs are never too old to report. Okay, next on the list, uh, I think this one is related to the first one here, it's to be patient. And if I remember correctly, that's because not only is the intake interview very in-depth, it can sometimes take a lot of time. It can. Our goal is to keep the call down to about 30 minutes. That can be, you know, give or take a few minutes. If it goes shorter than that, that's great. If it needs to go a little bit longer, we'll do our best. If there's any situation that we have to reschedule to um, finish, there is that possibility, but it doesn't often happen. We do our best to get everything done, but be be patient with us in the calls because we are writing notes down and trying to get everything down accurately so we can reflect you most accurately. Ah, yes. Okay. So definitely important to be patient. Totally agree. And I've, I've heard some stories about some pretty flustered pilots on the phone, but just remember time is for your benefit. All right. For the, uh, the next thing that you have on here, uh, you have set up your patient portal and this is specific to Mayo Clinic here, but uh, first tell us more about what you mean with this. So if you have an appointment with us, then you will have a Mayo Clinic account, we can say, or a chart basically here with Mayo Clinic, and you have the ability to access that online via computer. There's the Mayo Clinic app that you can use that accesses your chart, your lab results, your notes, and messaging capability as well. That's the easiest way to talk to the AMEs and to talk to us to best answer your questions. So having that set up would be amazing. Totally agreed. There are a lot of good technologies out there, not just here at Mayo Clinic, that allow for better communication and transfer of records for pilots. And I know this may seem like a no-duh type of situation, but you'd be amazed about how many pilots out there tell us that they don't want to deal with all of the online stuff. They just want to do a phone call or email, which really complicates things. And just to reiterate what you said, having online access to your records and your providers gives you what I think is one of the most important things for medical certification, that's vitamin C, otherwise known as communication. When a pilot sends me a message about their case, it will show up on my screen no matter what time of day, even if it's three o'clock in the morning. Of course, I probably won't answer it until the next morning, but you get my point. The finally, the electronic systems also make it easier for you to make sure that we received things that you have sent us. You wouldn't believe still to this day how many things get lost in the uh, in the mail shuffle. So please uh, do yourself and us a favor by not being afraid to embrace technology when it comes to uh, your medical certification. And along those lines, 
The next thing you have here listed is FAA letters. What do you mean? Yes. So some people coming to us have some sort of correspondence with the FAA, whether they received a negative letter of some kind from the FAA or if they have a special issuance from the past or any sort of FAA letters that they received, we like to discuss and having those available so you can tell us what they say and then we can review how to get them to us and to our uh, secretary so we could get it into the chart. So once we're done and it goes to an AME to review, they can review everything, which helps us serve you better as a patient. Another great point. We absolutely need those FAA letters and typically as soon as possible. So when you get one from the FAA, treat it like gold. It's those letters that really let us as AMEs establish what you need in order to get your medical certificate. And what a lot of pilots don't realize is that these requirements in these letters that are spelled out in these letters can be quite specific and unique. So for example, if you have a stroke and you're trying to get back to flying, the FAA doesn't just tell us, okay, work up this individual for a stroke. They will list out the specific tests that they want based on the information they have about the pilot. So for some folks, you might need an MRI of the brain, other folks not, you might need an ultrasound of the neck, and so forth. And this is good news because we really don't want to just do a shotgun approach and test for everything because frankly speaking, sometimes that can cause more problems than not. So keep track of these FAA letters, review them, be ready to discuss them when you talk to our staff here or wherever you may go for your aviation medical exam. All right, so what's your last recommendation for things to please do? Let's take some notes while as the patient, it's really nice to have simply some pen and paper available. We go over a lot of things. We do ask a lot of information of you. And then in the end, we try to wrap this all up in what records we're going to request. We'll give you phone numbers. We'll give you an email address um, for medical record correspondence, things like that, that are really good to take those notes down. Even writing down what records we're going to request will be, will help everybody in the process. Yeah, this is a, this is really a crucial point. It's amazing how many of our pilots just forget what we asked them to do after that initial interview. And the staff just spends an inordinate amount of time trying to call patients, email them, send the message to the portal to remind them about the things that we need. And remember, that's time that our staff and other offices staffs are, are using to do that kind of busy work instead of taking care of your uh, filing case. So making a checklist right at the very beginning can, uh, can save you a lot of time. All right, so that finishes up our please do list, the nice list, as I like to say. But let's get to the real fun, juicy stuff, the please do nots. For pilots when it comes to their exam. Go ahead. First off, we really ask that you please just don't be distracted. Try to give us your full attention, minimize background noise and things going on. It can be very distracting on the phone. For instance, if you're driving, driving noise, connection might not always be great when you're driving on the road. It could be really windy outside. Try to make sure you have good reception. Those kind of things that will help those 30 minutes go by. I've heard plenty of frustrating horror stories already from you and uh, the other nurses about pilots doing things like calling while driving through mountainous terrain. 
or while walking down the street or or flying the instrument approach. Just joking about that last one. That would definitely not be a good sign for your aviation medical exam and be a hazardous attitude. So my advice is treat it like anything you do with flying. You know, set aside a block of time where you won't be disturbed. And just like if you were going to be, you know, doing a flight or doing a flight review. Okay, what's next? In our intakes, we do ask a lot of questions. Sometimes the questions might seem a little personal. So please don't take it any of the questions we ask personally. We're doing this so we can best serve you. We are aware of FAA guidelines and that they like to know a lot about everything. Especially when it comes to some of the more you know, touchy subjects, right? Like um, legal history or problems with alcohol. That's something that we get to uh, deal with quite a bit here. Some of those questions might feel personal and we are not doing this. It's nothing that we're doing to you personally. It's just we're trying to help you to we want to help you get to flying if that's a possibility and do it on, on the FAA's guidelines. We're not judging you. We just want to help. Yeah, yeah, tr- so true. Definitely not judging folks. I mean, we, we are all human. Everybody makes mistakes. When it comes to these questions, we're just trying to get as much information as we can because that's the way that we can best represent you to, and, uh, to the FAA and best um, have the best chance of getting back your medical certificate. And that's a good segue to the, the next um, don't here. Uh, you have listed don't hold back. So as the adage goes, honesty is the best policy. We don't want you to take anything personally. So at the same time, we do want you to be 100% up, up front with us. If you're able to just be honest with your history, that will serve better for everybody in the long run. Not giving us all the information up front might come with some delays in the process, which in the end delays you getting into the air. Yeah, I know this is another great point, and it may seem like another one of those no-duh type of situations, but but I I think our listeners out there would be uh, really surprised about some of the things that we hear from pilots. Phrases like, oh, I, I didn't think that DUI mattered anymore. Or, gosh, I really didn't see how a restraining order against me was applicable to my flying. So absolutely be honest. I often tell pilots that, you know, there's a lot of tests that I can do to prove things about pilots, like the condition of their heart or how their brain is functioning. But there's one test that I can't do, and that's to prove that someone's an honest individual. So please do yourself a favor. Don't try to pull one over your AME or the nurses uh, or the FAA. That is a surefire way to not get a medical certificate ever. All right, next up. Mm, I don't. I actually don't know what to think about this one. I hope you're not implying me, but go ahead. We also ask during our intake process to just don't lose focus. We absolutely love chatting with you. However, we mentioned before, we do have a limited amount of time, so it is very easy to get off on some tangents or to dive into some personal conversation. And as much as we love talking with you, we just need to stay focused on the task of getting your information. So the more focused we can stay on the task at hand, that is fantastic. I don't know, Jordan, this is going to be kind of a tough sell because if I know pilots and I do, uh, they like to chat, especially about anything involving flying and perhaps even if reasons why they're not flying. But in all seriousness, it is uh, important to be efficient in this process. Um, kind of like when uh, talking on the radio to air traffic control and other pilots, you want to be concise but clear. 
All right. Last up, uh, number five here, you have don't take too long. Yes. So at the end of our calls, we're reviewing what records we need to request because, you know, we review all of our AMEs here like to have physical records to review, actually review images. And we have a process that we go over as far as obtaining those releases of information. There are things that our secretary will email to you. And then there are also potentially some other items that we as nursing request of you. For instance, if we need to request your files from the FAA for whatever reason, that can take a bit of time. So the sooner you get that back to us, the easier it is for us to keep going on the process and try to minimize delays. So just try not to take too long with those things or else something might get lost in the sauce. Yeah, this is this is a really crucial point. Um, I think a lot of pilots forget that when it comes to requesting medical records in a timely fashion, that uh, the actions of the pilot are only one half of the equation. Uh, the other half of the equation is all of the folks who are working in clinics and hospitals and places where you need your medical records from. And sometimes it can take those entities weeks for them to fulfill your request. Things also get lost at times, so you might just send multiple requests. So if you wait a month or two to send a request uh, to a clinic or something like that, uh, you've just tacked on a huge delay to your whole medical certification process. And remember, your AME is going to have to have all of those records before they can visit with you and create a good report for you to the FAA. So no dilly-dallying. And so it looks like that wraps up our list here. And I just want to say thanks, Jordan, again for uh, sharing your insight and the, the so-called inside scoop for pilots. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Like I said, these are things that it's not so much about us. It's about how we can best serve you. So we are happy to talk to you. We love doing it. We love working with you guys. So thank you so much for having me to go over some stuff. So that's it for today's show. Again, my many thanks to Jordan for uh, spending some time with me out of her busy nursing schedule to uh, to share her advice here today. Remember that this uh, podcast is an offshoot of our Clear Approach teleconsulting service. If you are a pilot in, or a student pilot or thinking about becoming a pilot and you've got a medical question, you can go to the Mayo Clinic website at mayoclinic.org. Just search for Clear Approach in the search box there in the middle. And it will bring you to our, our web service. You can log on, create an account there, and send our team of aviation medical examiners a question. And probably within 24 to 48 hours, uh, one of the members of our team will get back to you with some advice. As always, if you have any questions about the show or have a story that you'd like to share or like to be featured on the show, you can also reach out to us either through our Clear Approach website or visiting our blog hosting website on blueberry.net. That's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot N-E-T. Until next time, this is Dr. Van, your medical co-pilot, wishing you great flying and even better health. <music>